This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. This week, not all Coloradans have access to fresh food. The grocery stores around here, you do have to travel, and there's a lot of people that don't have vehicles. But some efforts are working to address these inequities. I'm Micah Smith. And I'm Nathan Heffel. Today, we have a real talk about food deserts across the state, what they are, and how they impact health. Welcome to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel. And I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. Each week, in a partnership between Denver 7 and CPR, we will have a real talk about issues impacting underrepresented people across Colorado. This week, we're having a real talk about food deserts across the state and how to get all Coloradans better access to food. We kick off this real talk with a look at what a food desert actually is. According to the USDA, a food desert is an area where people have limited access to a variety of healthy and affordable foods. This can be categorized by neighborhoods that don't have easy access to grocery stores. Food deserts are found around the state, not just our largest cities. USDA data show that a lot of rural areas lack accessible food. Much of the Eastern Plains, the San Luis Valley, Northwest Colorado, and Southwest Colorado are all described by the USDA as food deserts. The Metro has its fair share of food deserts as well. The USDA map for food deserts identifies areas in North Denver, Commerce City, and Green Valley Ranch as being food deserts. But hope is on the way for some of those food deserts. I took a trip to Denver's Elyria Swansea neighborhood as it prepares to receive a much needed grocery store. You have to go into Commerce City to go to a grocery store. Berenice Tenorio, a longtime resident of Denver's Elyria Swansea neighborhood, recently heard some exciting news. I heard that they're supposed to be putting in a grocery store in the building. Tenorio is right. After decades without a neighborhood grocery store, one is being built between Vigna Apartments and Tepeyac Community Health Center. This group did a really great job in raising funds. They've worked with a few foundations in Colorado that have granted some support to build out this project. Laura Marquez is the project manager for the East Denver Food Sovereignty Initiative, a group made up of community leaders who are working together to open the store. It's been voiced over and over. Tons of surveys have been done to try to evaluate what are the needs of this community. And now we're really working alongside with community to make sure that this is a community-led and community-owned project and that it's reflective of this community's needs and wants. The grocery store will operate as a cooperative with yearly memberships giving customers a stake in the business. This is going to be owned by the community itself. We're really trying not to be direct competitors to those local bodegas or corner stores. We really want to work with them and try to be creative about ways that they will also benefit. We're really going to try to have people's basic needs met when it comes to having fresh, healthy food options and culturally relevant foods. Tenorio says she's glad this neighborhood rumor is true. That would be so helpful and looks forward to buying fresh produce at an affordable price in her own neighborhood. Grocery stores around here, you do have to travel and there's a lot of people that don't have vehicles. Denver's Montbello neighborhood is also in the process of getting a grocery store. In March, the city broke ground on the $85 million Fresh Low Hub in Montbello. The new development will feature affordable housing, a theater, performance hall, and that very important grocery store. The project was made possible from the years of planning by people who live in the community. It all came together through grants, tax credits, small donations, and grassroots fundraising. 
And I really think that is the the solution, one of many solutions right. to this huge problem. Having those grassroots efforts, community-focused efforts to really try to stand in the gap to fill the need until, of course, grocery stores decide to locate in these right. food deserts, yeah. right? We invited Veronica Perez from Growing Home to join this Real Talk on food insecurity. Veronica, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. No, thank you for letting me be here as well. Well, first, tell us a little bit about the work you do with Growing Home. So at Growing Home, I am one of the co-CEOs that oversees our strategic vision, our programmatic work, and the measurement and impact of our work that we do in the community. All right. And a lot of, I know this focuses on uh, northern parts of the metro. So which, I mean, in this part actually has a majority of food deserts. I think it's important to say that. But what are you hearing from people that don't have access to fresh food? They're hurting. Mm -hmm. um, we are hearing that not only is the lack of access because of the food desert so detrimental to mental health, child nutrition, um, general well-being, especially for folks on fixed incomes, they are just struggling and trying to make ends meet and the food desert just adds to that stress when many families are already in a major amount of stress because of the level of inflation that we're facing. Yeah, and in terms of, of being a food desert, is it having a grocery store outside your front door or is it maybe two or three miles away? Do you, do you see what I'm trying to say? Yes. Like what makes it not a food desert anymore? So proximity is one factor of a food desert, but as you might know, transportation and lack of transportation is such a contributing factor yeah. to a food desert that in reality, you could have a grocery store that maybe is two miles away from your home, but if you don't have the transportation to get there, it really is a food desert for you. And yeah. that lack of access, in addition, many of these areas where a food desert is located, there is not robust transportation for families to get there. And that was my question about, well, there may be a grocery store two miles away, but mm -hmm. the bus line doesn't go there, or exactly. you don't have a vehicle to get there, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting because when we talk about lack of grocery stores, a lot of times uh, developers say a grocery store is an amenity, an, an amenity in a neighborhood, right? But I wanna talk about the people who live in a food desert. They're still paying what it costs to live in Colorado, astronomical rent <laughs> and home prices, but who's living in a food desert? So our community is made up of a robust amount of people. We have seniors living on fixed income. We have families with children and teenagers. We have college students that are living in that area. We also have a good amount of folks that are fall within the low income bracket. Many of the participants that come to Growing Home make $30,000 or less. Mm. We have over 75% of them making that amount. And in addition to those financial stresses, a food desert adds to that. And it's a big problem. Yes. So what are some of the solutions, do you think? What, what needs to happen? So there are a good amount of solutions. One thing that I can name for Growing Home specifically is we're working in partnership, not just with the community, but different municipalities, the city of Westminster, to identify possibilities of growth for worker-owned co-ops or mobile delivery systems. And there has to be a collaboration done. It can't be done by just organizations like Growing Home or even our partners. We have to work in collaboration with each other to make solutions happen. Um, I do know that the city of Westminster is working really hard. Their economic mobility department is really working on identifying, would there be a possibility for maybe less traditional uh, grocery food, big box stores, and seeing what might be available for our community in the Southwestminster area. 
And I want to continue along the lines of solutions because Growing Home has a lot of resources. <laughs> Talk to us about some of those resources. So Growing Home does a lot of work in the community. So we specifically work in the areas of housing, food, parenting, education, and lifelong stability. So in addition to our food pantry on site that is open for five shifts a week, we see about anywhere from 700 to 800 people coming through monthly to visit our food pantry. We also offer a choice model for our people coming through. So we really wanna make sure that they're able to shop with dignity for the foods that are culturally relevant to them. We also have a community garden um, mm -hmm. that really works for our uh, food pantry. So in collaboration with the city of Westminster, we house um, a community garden at the Irving Street Library located in Westminster. We typically see anywhere from 2,000 to 3,000 pounds of fresh organic produce coming from our community garden that goes directly back into the community, either through our volunteer base that is helping keep our community garden running or through our food pantry when the harvest happens. So it is a really positive piece when we're able to not just work alongside the community, but able to give back to them as well. And all of that working together to give people that dignity that says, yes, you have yes. food, it is here. Yes. That's amazing. Thank yeah. you. Veronica Perez is with the Denver nonprofit Growing Home. Living in a food desert can have a number of impacts on a family. This Real Talk on food deserts takes a look at the health impacts associated with them next. The pandemic played a role in exposing some of these issues. What's being done at the state level to try and address them? This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Today we're having a real talk about food deserts across Colorado. Food deserts stretch from Metro Denver to across rural areas of Colorado. No matter where these food deserts are, the health impacts remain the same. We come through data from nonprofit Colorado Children's Campaign on food security in our state. The pandemic really played a huge role in the number of kids who are not eating enough food because it was unaffordable. Yeah. Per the campaign's data, the number of kids who were not eating enough food because it was unaffordable was around 18 percent in June 2020. That jumped to a high of 37% in December 2021 and January 2022. That unaffordability of food leads to several health impacts down the line. We're talking about things like obesity and diabetes. So we want to continue this real talk on food deserts by introducing you to the marketplace called Mobetta Green Farmers Market. It's run by a woman named Beverly Grant, who is a lifelong Denverite who grew up in Park Hill. CPR's Chandra Thomas-Whitfield talked with Beverly about the health impact she's seeing in food deserts. When we look at the health statistics of folk that live in food desert neighborhoods, typically it's high in diabetes, mm. cardiac, and pulmonary um, mm. kinds of uh, conditions. And a lot of it is due to lack of access to to good fresh foods and also not moving. Now that's another part of an active living equation that I've fully adopted because a typical farmer's market season for me might be about 18 weeks. Mm -hmm. So my goal was, was to think about, well, if for 18 weeks I can engage the community in things like yoga, Tai Chi, Zumba, I even know Pilates instructors and 
other forms of movement, even line dancing. Yeah. You know, because people will say no, 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 but yes to line dancing. So hey, I, I'm all down for the wobble at any given moment. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And Miss Barbara King is a woman that I've partnered with this year to to do the line dancing. Mm-hmm. And um, I love her spirit. She she has a great gentle way, but very effervescent um, for getting people engaged. And she'll teach you the steps if you don't know. And then you can fall right in line with the rest of them. It sounds like your goal is to expose people to opportunities, like you said, to move, to be active, and maybe spark something that will continue through well beyond the time of the, the farmer's market. That is the hope. And also connecting the engagers that partner with me throughout the season offer, you know, classes and engagement opportunities after the season ends So I'm hoping folk build those relationships and leverage the marketplace to do that. And maybe it creates a just a bit of inspiration, you know, to make changes in your life. Mobetta Green Farmers Markets brings fruits and vegetables to underserved neighborhoods across the metro. And as you heard from Beverly there, there are also opportunities to come out have a little bit of fun and move around. (laughs) (laughs) And Beverly says urban farming can go a long way to helping solve the issues surrounding food deserts. See, urban farming can serve neighborhoods, you know, that don't have these uh, food access opportunities. And something that a lot of Denver residents are not aware of is they can create their own urban farms at home. We have legislation through city council that was passed back in 2014 via the uh, Residential Sales Act that allows people to grow in their front or backyard and create a point of sale, which means in time, they could create their own farm stands to sell their products. But also, there's other legislation that you can pair with that, like the FPA, which is Food Producing Animals. That was passed back in 2011. And what that does is... Now, is that in Colorado or in nationally? Denver? In Denver. In Denver, okay. yes. But nationally, many, many cities are creating similar ordinances so that their communities can mobilize around urban farming. It's like we heard earlier that it is something that start on the ground level with you at your house, Mm -hmm. then a nonprofit, then city, then legislation to really uh, make this change and bring food to people that desperately need it. Absolutely. And it also helps everyone understand where your food comes from. It sounds silly. We know vegetables come from a plant. But when you actually get dirty, you get in the dirt, you see something grow up, you know exactly what you're putting in your body. There's something really special about that. And again, as you just mentioned, it's a grassroots effort. It really is solving a a problem at the same time. Overcoming the impacts of food deserts takes some innovative thinking. And one organization in Denver is helping community members harvest food on their own. Coming up, we'll take you to the urban farm that is helping train families on how to produce and distribute the food that they grow. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News.
This is Real Talk with the Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel. Today we've looked at the issue of food deserts across Colorado. We've looked at the areas of our state with the least access to food, as well as the health impacts on those that live there. I had the chance to visit Focus Points, a resource center serving the Globeville, Elaria, Swansea neighborhoods that's created a unique way to get food access to Metro residents. First, I talked to senior project manager Sainabu Sohai, then walked around a special place with program manager Karen Bustios. So Sainabu, talk to me about how Focus Points is helping fill in the gaps when it comes to food deserts and food insecurities. Yeah, definitely. So Focus Points has a lot of resources for the community here. It's been suffering a lot from being a food desert, but also being a food swamp. So there's a lot of fast food in this area, not a lot of access to healthy fruits and vegetables. So we do have support systems like SNAP assistance with the application in a variety of different languages, as well as um, access points to our farmer's market, our pay what you can model so people can afford the fruits and vegetables. I know we've been talking about inflation and all those things. So we, they, we definitely have those resources for those that, are, that need it. I want to go back to one thing that you said. You said food swamp. I've yeah. heard of a food desert, never a food, a food swamp. swamp. Break that down for us. Yeah, definitely. So, of course, the food desert is when there's no access points. People have to travel outside their own neighborhoods to access healthy fruits and vegetables. But instead, there's a fast food uh, place on every corner or a corner store or a liquor store, and that's all they have access to. So if transportation is an issue, people, they only have access to fast food and that's what they end up feeding themselves and their family and their children. And they have no means to get the healthy fruits and vegetables uh, for themselves. Well, we wait for possibly a grocery store in the future to come right. here. I know that's been the hope for decades. Focus Points is trying to expand the options that folks have here. And that includes partnering with different nonprofits, just trying to bring all resources together. Right. Talk to me about some of that work. Yeah, so a really great partnership we have is We Don't Waste. So we do have We Don't Waste that comes through. I believe it's every third Tuesday, and it's a drive through So we do the safety precautions still. People can walk up with their trolleys or they can drive through. So you don't have to have a car in order to access those um, supports. Overall, what do you want our viewers to know about food deserts, food swamps, and food insecurity, specifically in this neighborhood, the GES neighborhood? Self-resiliency. I mean, we're, we made our own farmer's market. We have our own farm. I mean, the food is coming from right around, right around the building. You know, it can, can't get any closer than that. So we cut out, you know, all the transportation, all the carbon footprints and all of that. So if you need help, you need assistance, and you need fresh fruits and vegetables, education, how to preserve it, how to cook it, we're available to help you. I'm with Karen Bustillos, walking through the gardens here. And Karen, these gardens hold a very special purpose, your farmer's market. Talk to me about that. Yeah, well, the farmer's market um, is something that we have been doing. We did our first grand opening here at Focus Points last year. Mm -hmm. um, and then this year, it's our second grand opening. And then it would start every Friday from June 9th all the way to October 27th. It's 17 weeks from 2 to 6 where community members and anybody else that needs access to healthy local produce can come and make those purchases. And we do it as a pay what you can format or model. And what that means is that we actually give uh, community members uh, money in the beginning of the market. As soon as they check in, we'll give them money. So they're able to make those purchases and they won't dig into their pockets a little bit too much, especially right now with all the inflation that's happening. That's huge. And I know this is a part of a bigger program. What is that program? Yeah, so Huerta Urbana Farmers Market comes from the Huerta Urbana program. It is a program uh, designated to 
help community members learn how to farm, especially here in this urban setting, and be able to either create a business or go into the workforce in the farm. So all the produce that we grow here actually gets sold at our farmer's market. And this year, we're also doing an additional bounty box for children from zero to five-year-olds. And that bounty box is actually gonna have a lot of uh, produce that we're growing here and collected, and it's gonna be a weekly kind of bounty for the kids to be able to eat for that week. So between the farmer's market and Worth Urbana, do you feel like you've been able to address some of the issues that come along with being in a food desert and in a space where there's a lot of food insecurity? I do. So um, the first thing is for them to be able to see where the produce comes from. A lot of our community members kind of have the idea of where it comes, but they're not able to see how much they actually are needing to use and then where it comes from, how it grows. So we actually give that point of view. And then after that, they're able to taste it and see what organic actually is and how they can incorporate it and what big difference it makes to their meals versus having to you know, go somewhere like a fast food chain that might have it for a cheaper sale, but it's not gonna taste the same. And then after that, it also helps with the sustainability of the market and the community. You know, a lot of the stuff that goes organic and the stores that are not really close by, it's so expensive and for us, we give it a low value for them to be able to purchase it. Well, thank you so much for showing us around today, Karen. Yeah, thank you for coming. One thing I love about Real Talk is that it allows us to get out into the community in a different way. And while we are out, we end up learning so much. And so when uh, uh, Sainabu mentioned a food swamp, I had never heard of that before. I had never heard of that. Right, but it makes so much sense, it right? It does. It does. It's like you're you're being sucked in. Well, there is a fast food place right there. I can go there or I can go to a grocery store three, four miles away. Yeah. And that's a food swamp. And and I love the fact that throughout this episode, we've been talking about resiliency and, and starting on the ground level. And this is happening across the state in, in food deserts. Um, but there is always that understanding that there needs to be more assistance from kind of the higher levels. I think there's nonprofits um, on the ground doing this, but but there needs to be more from above. Absolutely, and I am so grateful for all of the nonprofits that were able to come on this week's episode of Real Talk. And that's this week's episode of Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Every week, we'll be having a Real Talk on issues that impact Coloradans who are often overlooked. You can find all of our shows on denver7.com slash realtalk or at cpr.org slash realtalk. Have a great day.